0: Well, during the service this morning, we turned to the Gospel of John in order to seek to understand who exactly Jesus is. Well, this evening we're going to go further back, further back than the Gospel of John to the book of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was written approximately 700 years before the incarnation of Christ, 700 B.C., 700 years before the first Christmas. And this evening, I just want to look at at two verses with you that really declare who Jesus is from Isaiah 7.14 and also from Isaiah 9.6. So first of all, Isaiah 7.14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she'll call his name Emmanuel. Like I said, Isaiah was written approximately 700 BC, but we don't see the fulfillment of this prophecy until somewhere between 6 and 4 BC. And we know that because of the, the dates of King Herod, and King Herod died at about 4 BC. So we know that it had to be sometime between 6 and 4 BC that this prophecy was fulfilled. So if you will, if you can look at follow along in your pew Bible if you'd like, the Isaiah is, uh, is there uh, just after the middle of your Bible. Um, you have uh, Psalms and Proverbs, then Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and then Isaiah. It's, a, it's, it's one of the, the longer prophecy books in the Old Testament. As I said, you don't see this prophecy fulfilled until about the year, somewhere between 4 and 6 BC. And you can find the the fulfillment of this prophecy if you turn to your Bible in Matthew chapter one, the first book of the New Testament. In fact, the first chapter of the first book of the New Testament in verse 18. Matthew 1, 18. I'm gonna read from verses 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. So this prophecy is a very clear fulfillment of the prophecy that Isaiah had written in about the year 700 BC. As we see from, from Matthew chapter one, this was no ordinary birth. This is the only time in all of history where a virgin conceived, where a virgin conceived and gave birth to a son. This was a very special event. The children um, played this, this story out for us. Jesus had a human mother. Mary was his mother. But Joseph was not his father. Joseph was his adopted father. His father was God the father. And so we, we understand that, that Jesus, we talked about this this morning, that Jesus was both fully man and fully God. This is a mystery, one of the greatest mysteries of all eternity, that someone could have the nature of God, fully God, and also the nature of man. And I explained that, that because of the, the, the gravity of our sin, because of the depths of our depravity, that, that in order for God to provide a payment for our sin, the sacrifice for that sin also had to be infinite. Because God is a holy and just judge, he must punish sin. If God does not punish sin, he ceases to be God. God is holy and God is righteous and God is just. But God is also merciful and loving and gracious. So he sent his son. He sent his son fully God and yet fully man to live the righteous life that we could never live, to die the death that we deserved to die so that God could be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. All sin will be punished. All sin either remains on our heads or it is transferred to Jesus Christ. That is the core of the gospel. That when Jesus was on the cross, he bore the penalty for our sin as his heavenly father poured out his holy wrath on his son in our place. So Jesus, by faith, we believe that Jesus takes our guilt he also gives us his righteousness. That's the other half of the gospel, that every good and perfect work that Jesus did throughout his entire life, his perfect love of the Father, his perfect love of his fellow man, all of those good works are credited to our account when we put our faith in Jesus. So we can understand in a way that those who first read the prophecy of Isaiah in the, in the year 700, we can understand in a way better than they could have understood what it means when we call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It doesn't just mean that God is physically present with us. It means that God is with us instead of against us. That because of his great love for his people, he punished his son in our place so that we are no longer under his wrath. This is the core of the gospel, that we can truly say, God with us. Again and again, through the ministry of Jesus Christ, he testified as to who he was. In John ten thirty, we read that he said, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. Now the Jews knew exactly what he was saying when he said this. As they took up stones to stone him for blasphemy. Because if he was not truly who he said he was, then he was the worst kind of liar. He was a blasphemer against the holy God by claiming himself to be God. And so we we talk about whether either Jesus truly was the Lord or else he was the worst form of liar, or else he was a lunatic. But we believe by faith that Jesus Christ was indeed who he claimed to be, God incarnate. And so you can call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, because he is now with us, not against us. We can see that from that prophecy, again, 700 B.C., now, in Isaiah 9, six, we see more names of Jesus. Isaiah 9.6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So very quickly, we, we can talk about, first of all, what it means to us a son is given. To us a son is given. To us, the son is given. To us, God the Son is given. We just said that we've seen that from, from John 10:30, where he declared that I and the Father are one. He was demonstrating that, that he is and always has been with his father. We can see that all through the gospel accounts. Next, we see that the government is on his shoulder. Jesus was indeed the Lord. In his first incarnation, he came as a, as a humble servant, yet he was still always the Lord. And as I explained to, to our, our church this morning, that even when Jesus was there as a baby in a manger, he was still upholding the universe by the word of his power. Fully God and fully man. He demonstrated his lordship at the end of of his ministry in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18, where Jesus came to his apostles and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so he said, go therefore. Because of the authority that that he had, he was, was commanding his disciples to go and declare the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we see that even in his first carnation, he was already ruling, but we do not see the full reign and rule of Christ in God's word until his return. Where in the millennial reign of Christ, he will return to rule with a rod of iron. When he comes to right every wrong and to bring and establish justice on the earth. Psalm 2.9, you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Here we see the the righteous wrath of God poured out on those who do not put their faith in Christ. We also see this in Revelation 2.27, he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And First Corinthians fifteen twenty-five, he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. So we live in that time between the, the already and the not yet. The, the rule and reign of Christ was established in his first incarnation, but will be finally accomplished when his kingdom comes at his return. Sometime in the future, perhaps even in the near future. His name will be also called Wonderful Counselor. We read about this in Isaiah 28, 29. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. The the words of Jesus again and again spoke life to those who had ears to hear and confounded his enemies. As he, as he spoke the words, not even necessarily a direct answer to their questions, but by his words, he silenced his enemies. Every single word with perfect, holy wisdom. His name will be called Mighty God. Again, this is a stumbling block for many. But we read about it in 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Jesus Christ is the true God and eternal life. Jesus is not merely a good teacher. He is not merely a prophet or a wise man. He truly was and is God incarnate. Part of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And again, this is a mystery. The the Trinity is, is arguably the greatest mystery of all time. How God can be one and we know that God is one, yet God is also three. This, this will, if, if you do not see this with the eyes of faith, you will not see it. We will not understand this at all or ever until the return of Christ or when we go to be with him. But God is one and yet three. His name will be called Everlasting Father, Isaiah sixty three sixteen For you are our father, though Abraham does not know us. And Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, our our, our, our Father, our Redeemer from old is your name. Throughout Jesus' ministry, you see this especially in the Gospel of John. We talked also about this this morning, that repeatedly throughout his ministry, he made deliberate statements to demonstrate that he truly is the I am. The I am, that, that the name, the holy name that, that God had revealed to Moses, that is translated from Hebrew Yahweh. And repeatedly he said, I am. And repeatedly his people bowed the knee to him, and his enemies rejected him. His name finally would be called Prince of Peace. We see this in a, a, another account uh, of, the, of Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. If you will, you could, could turn with me there, Luke uh, chapter 2, 13 and 14, where the angel, uh, angels appeared to the shepherds. and suddenly there was an, an angel it was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest and on earth." Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Jesus Christ came to break down the wall of partition between God and sinful human beings. Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. In the temple in Jerusalem, there was a a wall that separated Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles were never allowed to enter into the, the closer precincts of the temple. And that wall represented the division between Jew and Gentile, but even more, it represented the division between God and man. And Jesus, in his flesh, broke down that wall of hostility. In probably one of the most famous sermons that has ever been preached by Jonathan Edwards, one of the greatest minds that, that, that ever was produced by the United States, talked about the arrow of God's wrath being pointed at our hearts. And it was only by the mercy of God that he does not let that arrow fly so that his anger is satiated by our death. But in his son, he does not hold back the arrow. He let the arrow fly the anger of his wrath into his son as he poured his wrath out on Christ instead of us. This is the love of God that he would send his, his son to die so that in Christ we can live. Now this also is a stumbling block for many who, who know that, that and believe that, that Jesus was righteous. They believe that he didn't sin but they wonder how he could be crucified because of of passages like Deuteronomy 21, 23, a hanged man is cursed by God. But what they don't understand is that on the cross, the son was cursed by God in our place. Galatians 3, 13 references Deuteronomy 21. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. God the son was cursed for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin so that in him we could be the righteousness of God. The sinless son of God became sin for us so that we could be the righteousness of God. And so, therefore, glorifying his name, displaying his attributes... Again, on the one hand, is his holiness and his righteousness and his justice, and on the other, his love and his mercy and his grace. If you want to understand who God is, who God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is, you need to look at God's word and you need to look at the cross because it is on the cross where all of God's attributes are most gloriously declared and displayed. So in this Christmas season, when so many are are gathered with, with the name of Christ on their lips, may Christ be in our hearts. May we see from God's word who he truly is. And may we bow the knee to worship him. Let's pray together.